Matariki hunga nui. Matariki has many admirers. E ngā mana, e ngā reo, e ngā kārangaranga o te motu, noi mai hare mai anō ki tēnei wāhanga e kia nei, ko te ahikā. Ko Justin Murray ahau, this is Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National. And a very happy matariki to you all. The Māori New Year kicked off yesterday. Culturally speaking, for mana tamariki, um, to see the fluency of the students and the administration and the teachers have been great. We, we don't see that back home, well not yet anyways, we're hoping to achieve what Manatomariki has achieved. Um, seeing how much responsibility the, the students know that which, uh, which iwi they're from, which hapu they're from, back home we, we forget. We're, just, we're so caught up in standards and teaching and math and science and everything else, we forget that our greater purpose is for our lahui, our nation, our Hawaiian nation anyways. That's Māori culture meeting Hawaiian, and it's not all ukulele and hakahula. I visit a kurakaupapa school in Palmerston North, of which its equivalent is Hawaiian kamehameha. And Mariah profiles a kaipara farm, or Takanini Incorporation, one of the three finalists in the premier Māori farming competition. And later on, I'm at Tuamatene Marae in Blenheim as part of our Ngā Marae o Te Motu series. And because it's Matariki, we have tracks from the album Matariki that no doubt will be getting a hammering over the next couple of weeks. Nā re re te iwi, kuerara ngā whakamahuki mō te ahiahinei. That's what's coming up tonight on Te Ahikā. Ko te mea tuatahi. Te kurakaupapa Māori o Mana Tamariki in Palmerston North hosted this year's Hui Atau, or annual general meeting of all the kurakaupapa schools operating in Aotearoa. Kurakaupapa are Māori primary and secondary schools that incorporate Māori world views into their school curriculum, but at its heart it's all about te reo Māori, the language. All lessons, in fact everything, is conducted in te reo Māori. It's just the norm to hear it spoken in both the playground and classroom. So during te hui atau, same order of business, right? Te reo Māori the whole day? Well, not so much. For a start, not everyone there was Māori. During the pōhiri, I encountered four young Hawaiian students. Aloha, vau palikaua. Aloha, I'm Kamuela. Aloha kako, I'm Kaipo. Aloha mei, o kapono ke ia. Uh, kia ora koutou. If we could start with you, uh, palikaua, why are you here at Te Kurakaupapa Māori o Mana Tamariki? Well, we came here uh, specifically to, to learn exactly to share, uh, exchange, and engage in co- communicating with the kumu, the, the pole kumus here, to see how the schools are run here, and to take some ideas back to Hawaii to, to uh, strengthen our emerging programs uh, back home, to get inspired, totally inspired this whole weekend while we're here to go back home with fresh new ideas to help our lahui to um, strengthen our language schools and to um, yeah that's basically yeah so have you all four of you been here at the kurakaupa before a week how long have you been yeah we've we've all been here Uh, we've actually have gone around uh, we went to the wananga in Raukawa we came to Manatamariki a couple of days. Uh, we went to uh, Massey University, talked with Huya, uh, Yankee, and uh, a, a bunch of the staff members there about their teacher preparation program that they're, they're uh, currently making, which is wh- why we're here. We're all in a Hawaiian language te- teacher preparation program. Uh, Palekawa, Kapono, and Kaipo are students in the program. Um, I'm actually a PhD student. But uh, I work for Ho'okulaivi, which is the name of the um, program which we're in, which the name of our program means to, to Kulaivi is the place that you're from. And it feels like a lot of us Hawaiians have been isolated uh, to make us be the minority uh, or to make us feel like the home that is ours is, was not ours. You know, and so Ho'okulaivi is... Um, saying to make it our home again you know it's uh, taking a stance on Hawaiian education and reclaiming our education system so that we can help our children and hopefully help our people to 
lead our people towards independence. Kia ora, kia ora Kamuela. So Kaipo, what do you take back with you to, to Hawaii? There's been a lot of things. <laughs> um, well, one thing, I've, I've learned that you have six meals a day here. We don't have tea back home. <laughs> That's one thing culturally, I guess, so in New Zealand. Six, what? six meals? Uh, six me- breakfast, morning tea, afternoon tea, oh, yeah, tea, supper. Yeah, yeah. We don't have that in Hawaii. It's just three meals, three big meals. <laughs> three, 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 meals. <laughs> three huge meals. <laughs> but uh, culturally speaking, for Manantamariki, um, to see the fluency of the students and the administration and the teachers have been great. We, we don't see that back home. Well, not yet anyways. We're hoping to achieve what Manantamariki has achieved um, seeing how much responsibility the, the students know that which uh, which iwi they're from, which hapu they're from, back home we we forget. We're just we're so caught up in standards and teaching and math and science and everything else. We forget that our greater purpose is for our lahui, our nation, our Hawaiian nation, anyways. And mm. it was just inspiring to see everybody here, um, to see the what we call I guess aloha or aloha for you guys how much um, pride I've got from our cousins here in Aotearoa. I couldn't ask for more, but mm. I've been getting more than anything else. So mm. it's, been, it's been a great experience. So within Aotearoa, um, Kaipo, we have had that whole stigma of our language as a dying language. Mm-hmm. Is that the case in Hawaii? 30 years ago it was. <laughs> Once we started the Punana Leo and Kule Kaiapuni, uh, and Kule Papa. I think once that started, it's not dying anymore. You're already moving forward. Our numbers of speakers are still low, but I, I guess we're still in our infancy. So 20 years, 25 years, we still got a long way to go. I've, I've accepted that. But from what I've learned from Tony here, Tony, Tony Dave, Waho? Yes. Um, no, matter what, no matter what we do back home at our Kulekai Puni and Punanaleo, it's always positive. No matter what we do, we're always supporting. No matter what we do, we are inc- we're increasing our olelo, as we say back home. And I can't wait to go back and just take everything back and just start applying it to my, my keiki, my tamariki, at our kula kaiapuni. I'm looking forward to that, definitely. Kia ora, kia ora kaipo. We'll kia just move to kapuno. So what do you take back to Hawaii with you, kapuno? I think, um, geez, just after being here for this week, I think it was... Um, like a chance to like refocus. I talked to um like Tony and Brenda and Penny over here at um, Mana Tamariki and their I guess like their big philosophy on education is like being able to like zoom the lens in on focus on the child and then zoom back out to like step back and then remember the big picture. And I think sometimes like you know as a um student becoming a Hawaiian immersion teacher, like how Pepe was saying, I think we get like caught up in standards and like teaching the child you know like teaching to the child's mind but yet you know we tend to we forget about their their na'au about their their spiritual side and I think like if there's anything that I'm really going to take back with me to Hawaii it's maybe that would be one is to like maybe focus more on the spiritual side of the child and then from there, we'll be able to um, educate the children. Once they're once they're not always settled, then we can educate our children. And then um, I think a lo- another thing is that um, I just kind of like the the attitude here in like New Zealand and here in Aotearoa. It's just kind of like you know, just do it. <laughs> you know, don't. I mean, talking about it is good, but sometimes you just gotta like. You just got to do it, and I think, yeah, that's another thing maybe I can take home with me is just that, that attitude of just, let's just get busy and do what we got to do for, for our lahui. The thing that I was taught was that, you know, as long as a keiki, which is our, our kamali'i, or tamariki, as long as they're speaking the language, then, you know, it's going to live on, but... We would just like them to speak a little bit more than they are, you know. They, we're trying our best, and we're going to take some good ideas that we got from here. And Were each of you raised in the language? No. We are second language learners. Yep. Second language learners. So how, how, how did your learning of the language start? Um, come well, on. it all goes back to my two older sisters. 
who I could, who learned the language before me, who I could obviously tell that they were, talk, as we say in Hawaii, talking stink about me. Stink they were um, teasing me, or um, that's a slang that we have, talking stink, which means they were talking bad about me or talking behind my back. And I remember sitting there and feeling so dumb. And I was like, oh, you know, they're speaking Olelo Hawaii or they're speaking our, our language. And uh, I was like, oh, you can't yeah, just wait. And so I, I, I made sure I went and uh, <clears throat> as soon as the opportunity arose within the school system, I took the opportunity to enroll in uh, Hawaiian language classes. And fortunately for me, because I am a musician and I play our traditional Hawaiian music, um, a lot of the words were familiar to me already because I was singing the songs. And uh, even though I didn't know what the words were saying, you know, my dad was a Hawaiian musician. Uh, and uh, I, I was singing these songs and I always still felt a spirit about me knowing that what I was doing was mine. The songs I was singing were ours. You know, it wasn't, I, was, I did, never felt like singing my Hawaiian music was someone else's. Having that as a part of my life also helped me in learning the language because uh, a lot of the words, the expressions, the... But most of all, I think for me, it was the um, the way that it made me feel. The music made me feel that, and the wanting to know what I was singing about that really inspired me. Um, and that's what I think Palikawa was t touching on: is it there are pockets where we can speak the Hawaiian language now, not as many as we would like. You know, we would like to have more opportunities to speak it in the workplace. And right now, the only place to really speak it at the workplace is the Kula Kayapune, or the Hawaiian Immersion Schools. Uh, also trying to, with our language program that we, uh, the teacher prep program that we're in, um, just this year, these three are the first uh, students in our uh, teacher prep program where all of their classes are done in the Hawaiian language um, to hopefully prepare them to be better Hawaiian language teachers. Uh, to give them the words that they'll need to know for that for that job. So a long way of saying, I guess, that I was inspired from my family, I was inspired by my music, and then inspired to make the language uh, something that was more widely spoken. To get an idea of the curricula and learning environment, I talked to principal of the Kurakaupapa Māori Omana Tamariki, Tony Waho. They came to visit... Manatamaraki for a week and they came from the University of Hawaii at Manoa in Oahu and they are in a total immersion Hawaiian language uh, master's teacher training program and they are in their first year it's a two-year program and um, the lecturing team within that program had visited us in the, in the past and asked if they could bring the students to work with us and see how we do things and with the view of um, being able to go back to Hawaii and reflect on, on that experience and maybe apply some of what we do to their context. And so what forms of teaching or learning methods did these, um, did these students um, learn at Manatamiriki? For example, I'm thinking of, was it Atarangi? No, no. I mean, we have a... I mean, if you're observing one of our classrooms, we, we're simply running, whether it be in Kohanga or within, um, within the Kura, we're engaging with children in Te Reo, but um, they have don't have a context in Hawaii where what we've been able to create in Manatamaraki is being achieved there. So one of the unique aspects of Manatamaraki is that all of the children enrolled in Manatamaraki have at least one parent who speaks only Māori to them. Mm-hmm all the time and to all of the other Manatamaraki children and many of our families have two parents that are raising their children as Māori language speakers. So the lecturers wanted their students to meet and experience a community 
that has that level of commitment to the language. Um, the, all of the interactions between children and between adults and children and between adults for the week that they were here, I mean, it's like that all the time. I mean, it's not like we turn it on especially for them, but um, they're, they're, not, they're not used to that kind of concept. Yeah. They're, they're at a different stage of development um, in the Punana Leo and Kulakaya Puni. Um, and I've actually just come back from from Oahu and had visited the students, and we had a session where they had completed their reflections and had had a really good um, exchange about um, how they viewed what we were doing in Manatamariki, which was really great. And how did they view it? I think it's fair to say they were pretty blown away, and... Um, I think they go back from visiting Māori inspired and uh, I think for them as student teachers um, and these are teachers who have been teaching or have completed a teaching degree and now are in a master's program and so their career path is to lead. They are wanting to be leaders within the uh, Hawaiian immersion context there. Ko te tiri o murimotu te maunga, ko te toki ahuru te awa, ko ngā mōkai te marae, ko ngāti rangi te iwi, uh, ko ngāti tonga i te, te hapū, um, ko ruapehu te maunga, ko wanganui te awa, ko te atehau nui a pāparangi te iwi. Tēnā koutou. Kia ora, Tony Waho, Principal of Te Kurukaupapa Māori o Manatamariki. And earlier you heard from Kaipo, Kamuela, Palekawa and Kapono, Hawaiian students learning language and teaching methods during their time at the Kurukaupapa. For photos of the group, you can head to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. That's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. And while there, look us up on Facebook. You'll find the link on the page. I'm Justine Murray and this is Te Ahika. Global positioning satellites, endless meetings, farming consultants, environmental impact reports. That's all just part of 21st century farming. And yet there are some things that never change, as Mariah discovers when she visited a Otakanini farm, Kaipara. Deciding to enter the premier Māori farming competition, the Ahu Whenua Farming Trophy, isn't something you take on lightly. There's a degree of scrutiny applied that isn't for the faint-hearted as your business and farming practices are all examined for the purpose of finding the farm that presents Māori farming excellence. Now that's one part of it. Then there's the open field days. So what, what's your name? Claude. We, Claude. Bradley. And do you two work on the, the farm that we're going to? Um, sometimes I do help my dad. Oh. We got to we got to catch up to the other people. Oh yeah, choice. Oh, getting the hurry on. Yeah, we got them waiting for us. Okay. Yeah. They are waiting for us. Yeah. There's quite a few cars here. Yeah, yeah. So, how have you tra- been transporting people up there tonight? Um, just four drives. Yeah. How many? Um, well, heaps, I don't know, yeah. So you work on the farm too? Yep, yeah. What yep. do you do there? Um, I'm an apprentice, like general hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many staff members work up there? Uh, six of us, yeah. Is it Including a whānau farm? Yes, it is, yeah. Your whānau? Yep, yeah. So is that it all there that we're looking yep, at? Yeah, all in front of us, pretty much. And the trucks are just up there by that water tank. Where's the water tank? Just up there. Oh, I see. Yeah, that should be the fleet. Oh, yeah. Do you reckon it's going to rain? Oh, uh, yeah, I hope not. Oh, yeah. It's pretty muddy already. That's one. So this truck, is it going to go back to the mud Um, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I've just got to make sure I get my coat out. Yeah, yeah. You can jump off something else anyway. Bit of a mission getting here today, Colin. Yeah. Yep. 
region are you from? Right in New Zealand. Up here. I could have driven up here. Oh, I don't know. No, no, it's, it's a bit so. ragged. Wait until you get around the corner. Hey. Yeah. Should I open this? Uh, are you going to jump out? Oh, oh, can, can you, can get you? Out, Bradley? No, I'm not going to stop. It gets pretty muddy once you start coming up through this track, even though we've already been up here once. Claude, mm. the bikes are waiting for us just up here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So why are we going up on bikes? Oh, they're the, um, like the official Those rhino people. things. Um, no, quads. So this is beef and sheep, eh? Yep. How many head? Uh, there's 16,000 um, stocks. Stock Holy units. moly, that's heaps. That's everything, sheep and beef. Radio section's not too bad. <laughs> For being uh, kind of in the wop wops. Although this isn't even really a... Nah, it's not. I get um, radio coverage mostly around this whole farm. So where's the farmhouse? Um, my one's just up on the main road. Oh yeah. What about you, Claude? Do you live here too? No, nah, I live next door. Yeah, just over oh, there. Are there no fuddy on here? Yep, there is one, two, three. Four. Four. And are they housed? Yep, yep. Are you true? Look at the mud. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're sliding through here. I think you got it so close. Oh, that was a bit closer. <laughs> okay. Just going to catch up with these other brothers. Are you the youngest farmhand? Yeah, yeah, I've only just started. And how old are you? 16. Oh, gee, just a bibby. I'll be 17. Two days. Two days? Yeah. Yeah, I'll get it. Yep. How old are you, Bradley? Um, 11. Ray Monk would say farming was in his blood, having been brought up on a property at Upadure, that's just out of Te Kuiti, but it's whakapapa that attracted him back to Kaipara. I caught up with the Otake Nini Tōpū farm manager the day after the hecticness of the field days and the quiet of his office. My dad is from Poto, which is just across the peninsula Aye. from us, and but we were always brought up down in the King Country. My, uh, my mum's from down there. We've always visited up here, Ngāti Whātua, and um, I always wanted to come back. I had offers from uh, my dad's side over at Pono to come back there, but my wife won't go that far. It was, <laughs> it was too far. But she said if she ever wanted, if we ever had an opportunity to come north, she was quite happy to come as far as, you know, sort of around the Auckland area. So um, I was managing in Kafia at the time, and this the, the it was um, there was applications in the paper for this manager's job, so I just threw my um, hat in the ring, see what happened. And how long ago was that? And that was eighteen months ago. Right? Okay, so you're the manager of this property, and how many staff are you managing? Uh, there's myself uh, and four other staff. Now sitting in this office. I come from a farming background as well. You know, this is vastly different to what I remember my childhood being. We are surrounded by computers. There are planners all over the wall. Noteboards. I mean, is this the face of modern-day farming now, Ray? Yes, it is. I mean, to be um, an efficient, profitable farm nowadays, this is what you have to do. I know the days that you're talking about. Um, my dad used to have those days, just to have a notebook, and that was it. Everything was in this little notebook. Yeah. 
um, the efficiencies you need today to make a, a profit has vastly changed. But I see, you know, after attending the field days, it's still very much about relationships, relationships that you have with your staff, with the consultants. It's still about having those, you know, honest communications and those relationships. It is, it is. I mean, one of the questions I was asked <coughs> yesterday was, uh, yeah, w what do you see in the 18 months that I've been here? What do you see as the biggest um, asset on this farm? And it's the staff. I mean, I've got a lot of new ideas, which is why I was hired, to bring in some change. And I was happy to change. I was going was gonna to upset some people, and I have, just through the changes. But the changes were not going to happen if the staff weren't going to come with me. Mm. Um, and, I mean, does it become an issue also because they are primarily whānau, so they fuck a papa to this whenua? I mean, you do too, but they directly fuck a papa. So how do you manage that? that that's one of the strengths that they have. They have... They do directly fuck up up back to this farm, <clears throat> so their underlying drive is uh, this place and and what it represents and how it is farmed, and um, th th that was the easy part because it was already there. Yeah, who's got, who's got the... Are you all the whānau? Are you the whānau that farm it? You are, right? Because there's Claude, Claudie, <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me a ride. He's, uh, oh, you're the forgotten he's one. Our <laughs> he's our mate. Claudie's got his own person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, interviewed him on the way. That's where we came. We go around that way and came down there. So what's this? What's this place? This is all still the A Tekinani Tilpe. No, no, but what's this this place? What's the what's it? Significance. Who's that fellow talking at the moment? He's one of our shareholders. Oh, he's one of the committee members, Glenn Wilcox. So he's going to be talking about the environmental part of the speech. There you go. wahi tapu. Is this a, he just said there was a urupa. There is. There's quite a few around here. So I'd say he's talking about the one up on the top of the ridge. Are you from here? I am from here, yes. So what is it, Ngāti Whātua, Ki Kaipara? Is it that iwi? So what's your role here at the farm? I'm a shepherd. Um, there's um, four staff here, and um, my sister's a shepherd, and I'm also a shepherd. So how many sheep are we talking? How many sheep? Yeah. About 8,000. Okay. To bring back, basically... So do sheep cohabit quite easily with cows? Uh, we, we find they are. Were you always going to end up here working? Um, this is a whānau property? This is a whānau property, but I went through the same process as everybody else has. Ooh, job interview. Job interview. Um, I was here part-time when I first came, um, doing docking and tractor driving. And one of our shepherds left, so the, um, the manager that um, was here before he asked if I would apply for it. And I've been here ever since, seven years. How long is that? Seven years. Lots of job satisfaction. Um, here is probably the lifestyle, my family being here. You know, it's, yeah, the last I am. My family's from here. We're part of this. Um, we're part of this. Um, Torpu, the trust. So is Hudnoi your um, yep. So is uh, Bradley your your fellow's young fella? He is. There's a bit of death. I say you've talked to him. Oh, you should be interviewing him. He'll go all day. Yes, he would. <laughs> Two generations of the whānau there. So how relevant is Whakapapa in managing a Māori farming incorporation? Back to farm manager, Ray Monk. And what about you? I mean, just let's explore that Whakapapa thing a little bit more in terms of how you approach the management of the property. Does it make you less or more accountable? Um, is it even an issue? Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, 
at the end of the day, uh, I'm employed. The first thing, I'm employed to do a job, okay? And my job is to make, basically to make money. My, um, and, and I think that's what I'm qualified to do. But underlying that is my moral obligation to, to my own family and my own whanau. And those moral obligations mean directly that I have to take that into consideration. And, and so it is very high on my list. Now, yesterday I heard about some of the challenges that the property faces in terms of uh, where it's located. Could you describe physically where the farm is? Otakaneni um, Tōpu is a 2,750 hectare property. It is on the southern side of the Kaipara Harbour and it boundaries the southern side of the Kaipara Harbour to Muriwai Beach. And um, of that 2,750 hectares, 1,530 hectares are in grass, productive grass, uh, 600 hectares are in uh, forestry. And the remainder is in what I call unproductive areas, mudflats, um, swamps, and bush areas. So we're talking a huge property here, eh? Ōtakanini is the biggest farm in the Auckland, because we are now part of the Auckland super city. So this is the biggest farm in that area. So now that it's part of the super city, and with the way that the population's spreading out, are you feeling pressure from within urbanised Auckland as it stretches out because I tell you what mm. when I was standing outside that wall shed yesterday mm. and looking at the view mm. I was thinking this is one of the best views that you could ever have mm. and I could see that property developers could become very very interested in that I mean yep the good thing with Māori and corporations in general is that they have a lot of owners, and I mean, if I don't believe this, that this Otakanini will always be a farm because um, I don't believe it will ever be sort of broken up for developers to put houses on. I mean, it's the biggest farm in this region now, and I think it will, it will, it will continue to be. Still, though, there's always a lot of financial pressure. I mean, we're in this what the second wave of a recession. I mean, what sort of impact does that have on? Um, upon you? At the moment, I mean, it's been, farming in particular has been hard. Sheep and beef farming has been very hard for the last, oh, probably 10 years now. I think for us, we're at a turning point over the last 12 months where our sheep, beef and wool is actually lifting. It's, it's, it's very good at the moment. It's probably the highest it's ever been for the last five or six years. I think the trend's going to go up. Just the way the world demand's going, um, you know, stockpiles overseas uh, are down. So people, are, exporters are starting to buy and they're starting to pay the true value of what we have to offer. So what is it that gives Otakanini Topu Incorporation an edge? I guess the biggest, um, one of the major factors I think is its location. I mean, we are central to Auckland. There are a lot of people in Auckland, they need to eat. They like beef, they like lamb. Um, costs for us are very minimal to get them to the market. Travel costs I'm talking about. So, That's true. So, I mean, and so we're very selective. We can be very selective as to um, marketing our stock and, and as a way of, in the way of prices and stuff like that. I've been involved uh, with the team helping to manage the competition and uh, working with others to develop the criteria for judging and uh, governance is a really important area for Maori farming. Uh, it's not unimportant for all farming, but uh, Maori uh, ownership, many shareholders, means it's critical that you have a smaller team to uh, manage the uh, business, and uh, a trust or incorporation is set up to do that. And the farms that are performing best inevitably are those that are employing good uh, approaches to governance. And I think there are learnings there for non-Maori farmings just in terms of that strategic planning element that's such a critical part of governance, uh, separation between that uh, sort of oversight role and the actual management role, so taking the longer term vis-a-vis -vis the medium term approach. So I think that's a, uh, one significant difference. The other one is farming 
really for the long term, for future generations. Uh, so Māori do not sell their land. Uh, their land is there to be preserved and improved upon forever and to uh, pr provide an income for their shareholders in the long term. So sustainability is something that really is uh, receives a high focus. And uh, I think people who come along, uh, Māori and non-Māori, um, do take away uh, a lot in terms of how uh, Māori are managing those resources for the long term. Yeah, there's a growing recognition, and I think this Ahu Whenua Trophy competition has contributed to it, about the importance of good governance. And uh, good governance means it, you do test your relationships periodically with your outside providers, um, be they um, b business consultants, banks, um, uh, agribusiness or farm consultants, um, and, and the other people that service your accountants. And uh, we are seeing more and more reviews taking place. Entering the Ahu Whenua farming competition creates a um, degree of visibility, right? It does. And for most farmers I know, that's something that they don't really court. What made the trustees and what made you decide to enter the competition? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, Māori, Māori in particular are very... Uh, don't like getting out in the public. And, and we're no different. Um, but one of the brief brief that I got from the trustees when I first started was they wanted to improve. Um, wanted to improve the bottom line, wanted to improve the property, wanted to improve the profile of the block. This was an ideal opportunity to do that. It covered everything. It meant we were putting ourselves on show and, opened up, and we opened ourselves up for criticism and that was fine, we were ready for that. And for some quite intense scrutiny. I mean, <clears throat> having a public field day where people can come in, uh, grill you almost about some of the practices that are used within the farm. I mean, they do, they'll do. they be doing that to the other finalists as well. And uh, the, I guess just the attention, it kind of must be distracting from your actual normal farming work. It is. I mean, this is something that we've we've never done, to be honest, before, and never thought about doing. Me in particular, and my staff, we've all been put on show, <laughs> and uh, which is very something was was out of our comfort zone. Uh, but I must admit, the staff really stepped up, took a lot of pressure off me. Um, but I mean, um, if that's what we have to do to go ahead, then so be it. And. Having the support of the Haikainga. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we yeah. there was a pōhiri at the marae, yes. then there was the um, hākari at the marae after. I mean, this 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 farm here is the people's farm. So, I mean, and to be part of this competition, the Ahu Whenua farming competition, it involves the whole rohi of, of, you know, around Otakanini. So, I mean, it's not just... I don't believe it should be just judged on our um, profit and loss performance, even though that's a big part of it. I mean, it, it's it's how we get there, and and how we how the people sort of band around to make this happen. And I think that showed yesterday. Just sitting here in your office, I can see aerial maps of the property. There are certificates all over the wall. I mean, do you have to be so multi-skilled now as a farmer? Yeah, you do. I mean. You absolutely do. I, I have to sit down here. I have to do budgets. Uh, I have to do work plans. I have to do feed budgeting. And then I have to turn around and go out and be able to muster 4,000 ewes with dogs, um, bring them in. I have to be able to share. I have to be, which is how I was brought yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And then I have to turn around and go to meetings, uh, you know, and not formal but tidy dress and speak the appropriate way at the appropriate time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, Which is probably how your parents well, it is. carried I mean, on their business anyway, but it just yeah. seems to be so much yeah. more um, full on now. It, it is. I mean, that's why people get into farming, because it's not a nine-to-five job and you're not doing the same thing every day. 
yeah, you either like this lifestyle or you don't. Yeah, that's right. So, do you ever find do you ever find yourself being resentful when you're spending too much time in the office and you'd much rather be outside? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Um, you know, when the guys are dagging up there and I'm sitting in here. Oh yeah. I, sometimes I even just take a break just to get up there and jump on, just yeah, just to get it work, just to work up a sweat and get back in. And, and then problem is I'll come back, I'll, I'll finish up there and I'll come back here and I know the book work's got to be done so I'll be up till midnight getting that done because um, of course I had to take off, I wanted to take off and have a bit of a break up at the woolshed or out the back paddock. But I guess Ray that's the importance of having a supportive um, partner yeah. and whanau yeah. to you and support you in those times when, because I guess there are things that your wahine can also do. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's one thing I didn't mention yesterday was my immediate family, my my wife and my kids. Um, I've got two kids at university and two at the primary school down here, and my two eldest kids, or our two eldest kids from uni, actually down in Wellington, Victoria, have come back up for this field day to help us, and they were on the quads yesterday, shutting gates, and um, had my other two young children. They were holding the boards so we could read them oh. and. Um, <laughs> And my wife, she was just, uh, she's she's good because, I mean, the stress can be bad, can be very bad. And so what she'll do is just pull me aside and have a yarn. Yeah, we just have a yarn and she'll tell me, you pull your head in, you know. You just, yeah, you're being an idiot, so, and I do. Kia ora, Ray Monk, or Takanini Farm Manager, ending the corridor that featured Claude, Bradley, his whānau and Alan. We'll keep you hanging on till next week to feature coverage of Friday night's Ahuwhenua Māori Farming Cup Awards dinner. I'm Justin Murray. This is Te Ahi Kā. If you're travelling on State Highway 2 past Grove Town at Blenheim, it wouldn't be surprising if you went straight past Tuamātene Marae. There's no visible signs to suggest there's a marae, but if you head to the former dock office, you're there. Ngā marae o te motu. Ko tapuwai o uana ki te maunga, ko waira te awa, huataki te tangata kura haupo te waka rangitāni te iwe. We're standing, really, it looks like a house, just a normal whare. Yeah, it's... Um, is this is this, so is this Tuamātini? This is Tuamātini Marae. It was once um, probably the easiest way. The history of the area was um, uh, there were three big wetland areas that our people uh, used. One was called Tuamātini, which is this one. Uh, the next one just up the road at what's... Uh, this is Grove Town. Uh, up the road um, was one called Tuamotere, and the third one in the swamp was called Tuamarinoa. And um, uh, Tuamātini became known as Grove Town, obviously, because it was covered with trees, right? And um, But it was called Big Bush before that because there was a lot of uh, um, rumu that was felled to make houses. Um, and then uh, Spring Creek, um, well, a whole lot of springs there and more Rimushwara. And then as you're going through to Picton, well, you see Tuamarino, this sort of calm, quiet, misty, wet, damp area before you get to Waikawa or Picton, Waitohi. So um, when uh, we decided to um, <coughs> repatriate ourselves here and repatriate this lawn from the Crown, we decided that um, we would call the Marae uh, Tuamatini after the old name. And it was surprising how it caught on quite well. Uh, really, people instantly, once they knew the history of the name, thought, oh, yeah. And I'm interested to see that even our, our relations in Takaka know where Tuamatini is. When we first came here, this was a disused, um, a, disused oh, a, yeah, a disused derelict dock base. So um, what we had uh, were, uh, was an old administration office block and a whole lot of equipment sheds. So the first thing we decided to do, well, to move them properly, let's make some changes. And it was a bit difficult because uh, we didn't officially have any legal status like leases or titles, but, well, people decided, well, the court case was good enough, and so uh, let's occupy so from that court case, Richard, this was effectively handled back to the local iwi, to Rangitane. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we're just moving up into the front doorway here, and it looks like a... Oh. It's just a farikai. Just, yeah, farikai. And uh, what we did, because um, we were waiting for the claim to be settled, and there was a lot of competition for uh, marae development funds, so 
where we're standing now used to be um, three separate offices, and uh, we got some um, money, got some money of our claim fund, and just gutted this building, and uh, we turned this into um, uh, the dining room, and um, it meant then that instead of having to have tents, that we could actually um, seat 50 to 60 people at a time and uh, talked to our cousin Barney Thomas that um, we had some weavers who were looking um, for feathers all the time and um, so people were picking up roadkill and it was getting a bit damp. So talked to Barney and Barney Thomas from the uh, Department of Conservation, Papatifai, he managed to find a freezer for us. Oh, nice. <laughs> Just your everyday household freezer, yeah, deep so, freezer. Uh, and so, um, um, yeah, so that's used for uh, all sorts of weaving material like scallops, power, mm. and all of those other customary things that uh, are needed here. So in some ways it was quite good having moved off the site with, with Barney assisting us. It's almost like the, the Māori face of Doc um, <laughs> continued to assist us. So the whole marae has always just been known as Tuamatane. This is the Farikai. Um, over there is the, the, the Farimoi. And... Uh, yeah, so um, it doesn't meet the current standards because it only has one point of entry and exit. Yes. And it's unisex toilets and showers, as is our way. But we've been able, unable to do some of the development that's needed because we only have a lease from the Crown. At the, at the time, we didn't actually have clear title to start going through the resource consent process. The, these were equipment <laughs> sheds, and the easiest way to look at the change is probably go to this one first. Uh, at the time, um, there was some discussions about picking the buildings up and moving them and, and changing things around, but we thought, oh no, well, let's... It's quite let's, a big site, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, that's part of the problem, uh, that um, you know they would have liked it to have been smaller. It actually used to encompass... That's the schoolmaster's house from the time it was a school, but they subdivided that off. Okay. Um, when we started, we were that pōhara that um, we'd have chairs here and then after the pōhara, a pōhara would say to people, oh, we're going over for a cup of tea now, now you need to pick your chairs up. <laughs> anyway, um, we pinched this one from a very good friend of mine, um, Tāmati Cairns of Tūhoi. He took me to his marae and I saw they had permanent pai here. Yes. So uh, when we had a group out here one time, some of our cousins who were um, serving... Um, uh, their time uh, in support of the country by way of community work and PD. Um, what we did was uh, got um, the supervisor, we provided the timber and um, talked about what we wanted and so they whacked these up. So um, Richard, when there's a poor heady, what's the co of the marae? Do the, is it uh, uh, two or two? Paiake. It's consistent with that aspect of Rangitane Kawa. Um, the, the funny part is that um, as we've travelled around the different Rangitani areas, like lots of iwi, we've seen that we have different flavours uh, and they're more spatial things rather than, oh, well, we're not the same as them or we're trying to be different. And I think in some ways, um, uh, I personally think that's a good thing because it does give individual hapu um, within the wider iwi corporate look an opportunity to express themselves but won't that cause confusion? Um, well, down here everyone knows who Rangitani is and, and um, sometimes we, we've had difficulties on our marae where people um, come from an area and they bring their own, um, their own way of doing things. And so um, we have, oh, it's just paike. It's not paike the same as chachawa to paike. We have um, the Fai Corridor first and then the Haridu, whereas they have the Haridu first and, um, and then um, the Fai Corridor. Um, so we don't do it that way. But that's not to say that's because there's an iwi difference. It's just that it's been easier for us to get all our business tidied up outside. <laughs> and, and so uh, forever hold your peace. If you've got an issue, we'll raise it out there. And uh, when when we go into the 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 Kopa of the Hui, we had your opportunity, bro. <laughs> we have allowed, uh, for instance, um, Parkia to be spoken on the Murai for two reasons. Um, firstly, a lot of our people um, are struggling 
to um, find time to rekindle that desire to speak to Rao. And uh, some of us, well, especially like myself, know every every time you speak Pākehā, you lose some of your your yeah. Māori Rao. It's the nature of the work you do. But in a forum such as a Pōhiri, or such as a you know Fakato Faikorero, it's acceptable here. Um, for for non-Māori people, yes. But for our own people, what we say is, oh well, if we had say the mayor or someone like that that came. Um, that we would have one of our own people lead off and lay the kopapa out. Um, the mayor or whomever, they speak then and stick to the point, not um, start electioneering. And then um, one of our own people, they copy that and hand it over. Ngā marae o te motu. Kia ora, Richard Bradley nō Rangitāne at Tuamātene Marae in Grovetown, Blenheim. That winds up the series for that part of the country that saw marae repurposed from a former school and a conservation office. Surely the ultimate in recycling. Ka pai care. For a longer version of the Kōrero, you can head to our webpage radioNZ.co.nz forward slash te ahika. And in our photos archive, you'll find photos of my visit. Anaira, a Rosemary Rangitauira with this week's Fakatoki. Matariki hunga nui. Matariki has many admirers. Matariki is growing in popularity. More people are celebrating it. Um, there's also been calls for a public holiday to celebrate Matariki. Some think that. Māori or Matariki has lost its traditional meaning because we can all go to the toa, to the shop. Instead of, in the old days, it meant Matariki was the time for plantation. So, yeah. That's the show, folks. Next week, we'll be ticking off some of the events happening around the Mutu as part of Matariki. Tell us what you're doing. Leave a comment on our Facebook page. Maraia has coverage of the Ahu Whenua Farming Awards dinner that was in Rotorua this past Friday. Hioi anō ngā mihi o te wā ki a koutou katoa e whakarongo mai anō ki a pai o koutou matariki. Ki ngā kaiwhakamahi a rorohiko ka mau ki te wehi. Mai te whānau ātiahi ka ki a tātou katoa. Mauri ora.